0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. We are live on YouTube. If you're listening to us via the audio platforms, a big hello to you too. I can see that the punctuality police are out in force uh, again today because, yeah, we are a few minutes late. It's just the way of the world. It's what happens. Um, That's the great thing about being live on YouTube and not on the radio or on the TV. There aren't specific time slots. You can just basically do uh, as and what you please, as and when you please. And uh, here we are. did take a couple of minutes because I wanted to get uh, a few notes down of importance to make sure that I don't forget them during this show because we've got a jam packed edition of the podcast to bring you. First of all we're going to be reacting to Arsenal's victory in the Florida Cup over Chelsea we're going to be breaking that game down we're going to break be breaking down the performance whilst discussing a number of individuals. We're going to be reacting to Mikel Arteta's comments post-match as well. We're going to be focusing a little bit on William Saliba and what we've seen from him. We'll be discussing you guys' thoughts and comments from the live chat box, but perhaps most appealing to you guys uh, in the chat box. We're going to be revealing the three winners of our shirt giveaway competition. We've got one from our members group and we've got two winners from the wider Chronicles of Aguna family. And you might be thinking, why do the members only get one entry? Well, because there are far fewer members. So even still, you've got a much, much bigger chance of winning. But we've also got a lot of people that listen to this podcast on a daily basis, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, basically all of the audio platforms. And they cannot sign up and become members because that function is not available on those platforms. So uh, I wanted to make it as fair as possible, And bearing in mind there are far more non-members than there are members. If you are a member, even though there's only one shirt going out to you guys, you've still got a much, much greater chance of it being you. So let's break it down. Arsenal absolutely battered Chelsea last night, this morning, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> it's It's been, you know, I've really, really enjoyed the US tour because I think that, a lot of positives have come off the back of it. And we'll, we'll go on to talk about that in a little bit more detail. But one of the big difficulties has been the time differences. I mean, my God. I mean, I said it after, I think I said it after the Orlando game. Was it after the Orlando game? I think I said it after the Everton game as well. Um, but it just makes me realise and respect so much more the sacrifice that some of you guys overseas make to watch Arsenal and to keep up with everything Arsenal and to keep across the games uh, you know, it's just, it's so incredible to think that people do that every week. I mean, I've done it for three games and I've really, really struggled. And, you know, people have been asking me over the last couple of days and and over the last week or so, while the tour's been going on, eight, ten days, whatever it's been, people have been saying, are you doing a watch along for this game? Are you doing a watch along for that game? And the reason I haven't is just because I've been, um, you know, I've just been knackered. Um, as, as a lot of you will know, I'm doing a lot of other work as well. I recently started doing some reporting for BBC Radio London, and uh, the last three Saturdays have seen me travel to three different games. And yesterday, I was at Luton Town's Kenilworth Road. Of course, Luton Town, who made the playoffs in the championship last season, they welcomed West Ham uh, to Kenilworth Road. And it was a really, really interesting and intriguing game. Um, But I did get back from that quite late. And by the time you sit down, you have something to eat. You look at the time and you think, my God, Arsenal are kicking off in a few hours. I need to get some rest because I need to be awake and concentrated. And thankfully, the performance from Arsenal against Chelsea played a massive part in keeping me interested. I mean, some of the other games, particularly in the second half, have really, really dropped off, whereas this one didn't. And so this one, although I'd say the last 15 minutes probably turned into a little bit of a lull until Arsenal got their their fourth goal, I was interested and I was intrigued throughout. And, you know, that made it a lot easier uh, staying up through the night. But there was no chance I was going to sit here with a camera in my face, with bright lights in my face, trying to conduct a watch along to a relatively good standard. Uh, whilst, of course, um, I was uh, I was half asleep. So yeah, that, that was never going to work. I, in hindsight, I probably could have done it because I was alert enough to have done it. But yeah. Leading up to it, you just dread it, don't you? You just dread it. But anyway, let's get into uh, the game. Let's start breaking it down. and Let's kick off, I guess, by looking at the team that Mikel Arteta selected. This was the team that started the game for the Arsenal. It was uh, Aaron Ramsdale in goal. It was a back four of Ben White at right back. William Saliba was at centre-back alongside Gabriel with Zinchenko making his Arsenal debut. At left back, the midfield was Thomas Partey, Granit Xhaka and Martin Erdegaard with Martinelli, Saka and Gabriel Jesus making up the attack. So I look at this team and I think this is a really, really positive team. And, you know, I think that for me, there's there's question marks or there were question marks at least um, around whether William Saliba should come straight into the side or whether William Saliba should start on the bench bide his time, get some time to embed in, get some time to kind of get used to the surroundings, get used to the system, get used to exactly what it is that Mikel Arteta is going to be demanding for from him and basically wait for his opportunity when one of, um, you know, Gabriel or Ben White was unavailable. Obviously, the absence of the fullbacks has, has played a big part in this because, you know, when you think about it, you know, the, the chances are that had Tomiyasu been fit, he would have played. Had Kieran Tierney been fit, I'm sure he would have got the nod as well. We talk about Zinchenko coming in. Mikel Arteta, as I mentioned on the video we dropped the other day, was very keen and very adamant and very, you know, insistent on saying that he felt that Zinchenko was coming in as both, as a left-back and as a midfielder, and wasn't going to be tied down to just the one position. But obviously, with Kieran Tierney's problems, with Tomi Asu's problems on the other side, it led to a little bit of a reshuffle, at the back and I wasn't quite sure how this was going to work and the reason for that is that Zinchenko is very much a left back that likes to step into the midfield you know and and likes to get forward and likes to try and influence the game But I think what you have when you have Martinelli in the side is a wide player who really does like to start from wide. And that almost limits the opportunities as a fullback to make overlapping runs. What it does do, though, is encourage you to drift in field and into a different space, a space in which Alexander Zinchenko, Alexander Zinchenko, getting confused because everybody keeps calling him bloody Alex, but Zinchenko, is, is actually very comfortable in drifting into those midfield-like spaces. So actually, that works quite well. And then what you get is the opportunity for Gabriel, Saliba and White uh, to just kind of shuffle across and become a back three. Remember, all of them are centre-backs by trade. And then you end up with something that looks a little bit more um, like this. And, and actually, I think that gives us that in-game flexibility, doesn't it? And I think that's one of the reasons that Mikel Arteta, when he was looking for a right back, went out and got Takahiro Tomiyasu, because he wants someone who can be a centre back as part of a three when Arsenal uh, decide to push an extra player into that midfield. That's why Tomiyasu has been such a good fit. And that's why I think, apart from him being a better player, you'll probably see now with the arrival of William Saliba, when we're without a right back, you'll probably see, or a natural right back, you'll probably see Ben White being put into that position more so um, than than Cedric because of that ability to shapeshift and turn it into a bit of a back three, push that additional player into the midfield and try to become a little bit more dominant and a little bit more controlling that way. So I think that was really interesting to note. And I think that's been a common theme of Mikel Arteta's side in the last 12 months or so. So I expect... Um, yeah, you know, Tomiyasu is is an option there, but we know he's got an ongoing injury issue that we just can't seem to get past at the moment. We'll come on to talk about what Mikel Arteta had to say about his fitness a little bit later on. But, you know, William Saliba coming in there, he just looks so composed and so confident and so dominating and intimidating. And he looks like everything you want your centre-half to be. And listen, you know, there was a lot of debate about whether it was right to let him go. You know, there was a lot of debate whether it was right to send him out on loan again last season. But based on what I've seen of him in pre-season, and granted, it is just pre-season, and when the Premier League starts, you know, it's going to be a totally different animal. I mean, Palace away on a Friday night is going to be something of a bit of a baptism of fire for him if he does start the game for Arsenal. But the point I'm trying to make here is that I don't believe that William Saliba, 12 months ago, was as mature and as assured in himself as he is today and therefore we've brought back a much much better player could we have done with him at various points last season absolutely but that is a that is a risk you take you know that is uh, the trade-off for getting your player uh, guaranteed minutes and uh, guaranteed opportunities that will help him develop and help him become a much better player the other side that poses an element of risk is that clearly he wasn't too happy with his treatment at Arsenal. And so as a consequence of that, there's the risk that he might not want to stay at the club. But it's over to Arsenal now to prove to him that they really value him. And I think when you listen to the words that have been coming from Mikel Arteta over the last sort of 12, 24 hours, you do get the feeling that he really does believe in him, that he really does trust in him. And hopefully that's enough to persuade William Saliba that his future should be here. When we move into the midfield, uh, I'll come back to Zinchenko in a minute, but when we move into the midfield, um, Xhaka, Partey, Odegaard, that's a pretty damn good midfield. I thought, in fact, I felt really, really confident each and every time those three played together in the Premier League last season. The problem arised when... We started to be without one and sometimes in some cases two of them. Then we look like a totally different animal. And where I agree with people who are a little bit concerned going into the new campaign is that the drop-off after those three is so, so significant. I've said it before, Elneny, Lakonga, Maitland Niles, these are not players on the same level. You'd like to think that when Kieran Tierney is back fit and available, Alexander Zinchenko could be used as one of those midfielders, and that is an instant upgrade on the likes of Elneny, uh, Lokonga, I would say, at this stage, um, you know, and, and Maitland-Niles, for example. So, you know, we are adding depth, but we're not without our injury problems even right now. I mean, you look at that team, and we'll come on to touch it on the bench in a minute, um, you know, you. in fact, let me just find the bench so I can um, read it out to you guys, because this was one of the things that really kind of stuck out for me when I was watching the game. Um, yesterday and, and in the lead-up to kick-off when I was obviously looking at the team and deciding whether it was worth staying awake on it. And I'm just kidding. But look, you look at that bench, Turner, Bayerin, Walters, Cedric, Tavares, Mari, Holding, Maitland-Niles, El Neni, Marquinhos, Pepe, Nelson, Balogun and Enketia. It doesn't exactly fill you with confidence that, you know, you, you can backfill this team. But the minute you add Kieran Tierney into that, Fabio Vieira, Takahiro Tomiyasu and Emile Smith-Rowe into that, all of a sudden the bench looks a lot stronger. And of course, you're not going to be able to name, you know, 51 players on the substitutes bench when it comes to the Premier League. But the point I'm making is that, yes, this team looked good on paper, but it's still without some really key components. It's still without some really key players in terms of the squad and players that would definitely enhance the overall quality available to Mikel Arteta. Let's circle back just quickly to Zinchenko because obviously he made his Arsenal debut. What did I think of it? I thought he looked so controlled in possession, um, really technically sound, which is exactly what you want. I talked about those runs and the ability to step into the midfield. I did think there was a couple of times where he got caught. Um, in possession, not necessarily him himself giving the ball away, but where Arsenal were caught in possession and he was right up the pitch and had to get back, took a bit of time. But again, I go back to the point I made earlier, having that ability with Gabriel Saliba and White in the rest of the defence to shape shift into a back three and cover that space and cover that ground and essentially send Gabriel out there while the other two shift across with the protection of Partey and of course Xhaka, who does his fair share of defensive work as well you have to say that we're in much better shape to handle the transition. And um, and that gives us the platform upon which we can go out and be a little bit more aggressive in the way we press and in the way we throw numbers forward in search of goals. Let's move on to the front three. And what a front three we have right now. This is my current Arsenal front three. You know, if everybody's fit, if everybody's available, this is what I'm going with. I've I've really got this feeling going into this season that, you know, last season was kind of a, I know Saka had shown promise before, but last season was kind of a, a breakout season for for Saka, wasn't it? Where we really saw him take it up to another level, added a lot more outputs, goals, assists, and became a real focal point for this Arsenal side, became a real important uh, key in the cog, whatever you call it. Um, you know, I thought that he really stepped up a level. Can he go further? Yeah, absolutely. I think there was still uh, some things in which Bukayo Saka fell a little bit short. And is there more to come? Absolutely. Uh, but I feel like that's going to be the case this season for somebody like Gabriel Martinelli, who's had to be patient under Mikel Arteta. He's had to bide his time. He hasn't always been uh, flavor of the month. And in particular, at the start of last season, when Emil Smith Rowe was playing really, really well. When I say the start of the season, I mean after the first three games. Emil Smith Rowe was playing really well from that left hand side. He was scoring goals, he was contributing. And when he, you know, sort of had to come out of the team due to injury problems, he never, ever found a way really back in. You know, yeah, he came in and out when we had to rotate and when we had to change things up. But injuries were a problem for him. And as a consequence, he was unable to wrestle that position back from Gabby Martinelli. It very much is right now. You'd think Gabby Martinelli's to lose and he's been performing really, really well of late. But I tweeted something during the game yesterday. And and while I've got the tactics board up, I really wanted to kind of home in on this and highlight it. I talked about what a difference it makes when you've got a really mobile and and top quality striker up front. And I just want to demonstrate what I mean by that exactly. So one of the things that we used to see quite a lot when Lacazette was the number nine was the centre forward, Lacazette, drop into a much deeper position in order to essentially vacate the spaces um in behind and hopefully you know these spaces that i'm talking about here in fact we can you know we can probably widen that yeah we can widen that to sort of the width of the penalty area what he would do is he would drop into these positions and he would try and either drag the center backs with him further up the pitch creating space in behind for the likes of saka and martinelli who we know are capable of running off the shoulder Or he would clear the room and allow those players, Saka and Martinelli, to come infield and directly attack those centre backs and cause them all sorts of problems, essentially taking the full backs out of the game because those players got on their bikes pretty early and will come into those infield positions. But with Gabriel Jesus, it's a little bit different. Why is it different? Because he can do that if he wants to, he can drop into that deeper position. And we've seen already on three or four occasions in preseason, um, the way he spins off of people, the the way he has that ability to understand his surroundings, and then the technical quality to pull off some unbelievable turns and basically leave the defenders for dead. But also, because of his mobility and because of his ability to occupy both centre-halves, because he is such a threat, because he is so dangerous, he can pop in to these two half spaces. The half spaces that Alexander Lacazette just wasn't Mobile enough to cover at all times, and that means that Saka can start really wide. That means that Martinelli can start wide, and that means that we've got the ability to have much more width in our game. Now, these two guys can drift in field if they want and create room for the overlaps on the outside. But we've now, with Gabriel Jesus, got the ability to apply ourselves in two completely different ways, and that means you can vary up. That means you can mix it up, and that makes it really, really difficult as a defender to deal. With our threat. You know, we've seen him also show his versatility in pulling out to the right. He did that a lot against Nuremberg, I thought. We also saw him yesterday take up the left half space where his goal came from, where he received the ball. But also it gives Martinelli, a player that a lot of people have talked about as a future centre forward, the ability to drift in field and plug those holes and get closer to goal, which is ultimately where most of us want to see him. So Gabriel Jesus' mobility, his ability on the boys, ability to maintain possession even for two or three seconds um, and, and allow people to make runs off him is just so, so impressive. He's also got a threat in behind, and he's been probably the biggest positive of this US tour so far. Well, it's over now, but you know what I mean. He's been the biggest positive, I would argue. So I think the team is in really, really good shape. I talked about the lack of depth and lack of quality on the bench, and that is still a concern. But, you know, what did we think was going to happen? Did we think that Arsenal were going to go out and sign another five £40 million players this summer in order to make the bench where we want it to be? No, you know, we've got to be somewhat fortunate in that hopefully we're not going to have as many injuries as we did last season, Um, you know, because... Ultimately, that's what undone us. I think you can all agree that when we had everybody fit and available, we were a really, really strong side. Problem was um, that when we started losing one or two here or there and we started losing, you know, twos and threes, it was a big, big problem. You can often cater for being one player down, you know, having one of your players out, trying to change it. Um, is not so difficult in that instance. But when you're talking about removing three or four really key components, it then becomes very, very problematic. So as I say, the bench would have looked a lot healthier, obviously, with Tierney, Vieira, Tomiyasu and Smith-Rowe on it. You've got to bear that in mind. We'll come on to bring you updates on those players a little bit later on in the show. Let's talk about um, the goals, because the goals were were pretty impressive too. The first one uh, coming from Gabriel Jesus, uh, a really poor piece of defending from Chelsea. I think it was Shalabar who gave the ball away. Xhaka, with some really, really quick thinking, managed to pick out uh, Gabriel Jesus, who took a couple of touches, looked up, sat Edouard Mendy down on the ground and just dinked it over him beautifully into the far corner. I mean, that's the kind of cold top-class finish that we've been missing since Aubameyang was was at his absolute pomp. And that, unfortunately, hasn't been uh, the case for a long, long time. So, yeah, really, uh, really, really enjoyed that one. And the second one uh, was perhaps even more impressive from a team perspective. Really, really good football from Arsenal, working the ball down the left-hand side. Martinelli, where he might have in years gone by, panicked, and sort of tried to make something happen straight away, just took his time to turn and assess his options, spotted a great run from Martin Odegaard from right into that slightly inside left position. He picked up the ball and took the touch before, uh, you know, unleashing a low, ferocious effort into the far corner and doubling Arsenal's lead. As for the third goal, what a piece of skill from Granit Xhaka in the lead up to that. I, I tweeted this earlier on, but... Had Granit Xhaka scored that, you do know I would have been talking about it for the entire season. Brilliant uh, from him. He was unlucky not to score himself. But Kai Osaka, who I think, based on the replays I saw, was slightly offside, but who cares? It's a friendly. um, Was was, uh, right on the scene to capitalise on Mendy uh, sort of not really getting rid of the ball when he dived to the right and made a save. Probably harsh to blame the goalkeeper because the effort from Xhaka was a good one, but... Saka just shown a bit more killer instinct, the kind of killer instinct that maybe he is yet to really uh, convince us of in his Arsenal career so far. But that's what you like to see. And he finished it really, really well. And then the fourth goal. Listen, I enjoyed all of the goals last night. I thought every single one of them was really good and a real testament to the playing style that we're finally uh, starting to see. You know, we started to see it actually last season. Unfortunately, towards the back end of the season, when we started to pick up a lot of injuries, we had to revert back to a former type, which wasn't ideal. But we had to slightly sh- uh, shift up the, the dynamic in midfield because we had no Thomas Partey. And, and Mikel Arteta, without his fullbacks as well, felt that it was too great a risk to play with that lone defensive midfielder or lone deep lying midfielder, whatever you want to call it, um, without the fullbacks of, of a high quality as well. And that would be putting too much pressure on the two centre-halves and whoever was tasked with playing in that specific midfield role. So we did revert to that double pivot and it didn't really work because we lost what we had gained earlier on in the season, which was a much higher intensity, a much greater ability to press and win the ball back and suffocate teams. And you saw that yesterday. We did it to Chelsea. We suffocated Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel's been sort of uh, quite damning of his players and and of his team in his post-match press conference. I don't know if any of you have seen it. He talks about the fact that Arsenal were much more uh, emotionally invested, mentally uh, committed, physically committed. They were committed to get exhausted. That's what he said. And, um, you know, that just goes to show, doesn't it, that I'm not, And I'm not saying we're going to finish above Chelsea because I expect them to do a lot of business in this summer window uh, still. But I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility because there's a very unstable situation there. And this is where, when you listen to managers like Thomas Tuchel talk about that stuff, talk about players wanting to leave and that being a problem, talk about players that he needs to get in, but as up until this point had no luck with, talks about the sanctions That were placed on that club talks about the reason his attack doesn't get any better is because um, he's got the same players. You can see the cracks appearing. And so when people sit there and they go, oh, you know, but all of these teams are going to finish above us. Arsenal had the best opportunity ever to get in the Champions League last season and they blew it. I agree it was a good opportunity, but you don't know what the new season brings. You don't know what the new season has in store for us. And what I would say is the stability at Arsenal right now is something that is very, very underrated in terms of it being a positive in our corner. I really do think that. I think the stability that we've got with Mikel Arteta, with Edu, with the group of players that we now have, with the commitment, with the camaraderie, with the team spirit, all of those things are going to help bridge the gap um, between ourselves and some of the sides, who let's be honest, have much more quality and depth, and um, and have some really really good players on you know on their books. But yeah, um, that's kind of uh, my thoughts on the game. As I said, the intensity was great, the pressing was great, uh, some of the patterns of play were honestly beautiful, really really good to see, uh, really really enjoyed uh, some of the moves, some of the football, and I've really really enjoyed watching some of the individuals. A really positive. Uh, tour to the US. Um, As I say, the fans were brilliant, amazing. Just seeing pictures and videos um, from some of those events pre, during and post matches convinced me that I'm going to make every effort if Arsenal do do a a pre-season tour of the US next season to get myself out there so that I can soak it all up. That's my plan. Um, And it will be amazing to meet some of you guys as well that are across the pond because I know there are plenty you know the performances were positive the results were positive um you know we managed to get a signing done while we were out there as well i think the biggest positive though as i mentioned a little bit earlier on was the way gabriel jesus has just slotted into this team so brilliantly and the instant upgrade that we've seen as a consequence and as a result of that is just really amazing um so that's my big big takeaway uh from this uh competition Okay, uh, we're going to talk um, about some of Mikel Arteta's post-match comments. We're going to announce the winners of our shirt giveaway competition. Some of you are asking me in the chat if it's too late to enter. It absolutely is. The the uh, entries closed, I think, what was it, a few days ago now, maybe a week ago. Um, so I've already done the draw, so you can enter, but your name won't be in the draw. Actually, i got my son uh, to pull out the names. Um, so if you're unhappy with the result, you can blame him. <laughs> um also just wanted to mention we we did pay tribute uh to the late to the great uh maria petri on the show that we did on friday um had the opportunity to pay tribute to her again yesterday on bbc london she had been on the uh, bbc london sports show uh, just a few years ago and they played some amazing clips um during the program of of her and some of the amazing things that she had to say which was um you know really intriguing and I was saying this on the radio yesterday and I want to say it to you guys because even if I do say so myself I think it's quite a good point. <laughs> um she was talking about how one of the things that she likes about women's football perhaps over men's football is that there isn't this there isn't this like desire to jump on people so quickly when they make a mistake there isn't this animosity towards their own players there isn't this uh, you know disrespectful narrative that you seem to find when you do follow the men's game not just in the stadiums but on social media etc etc and it kind of got me thinking yesterday and you know, I was sitting at Luton Town and you know thinking about this and one of the things that came to mind was that somebody like Maria who was behind Arsenal no matter what wouldn't have been immune to feeling disappointed, wouldn't have ever been happy when Arsenal, um, you know, weren't performing. But, you know, she'd always be behind the team. And, And I think that some people, and I'm not digging out anyone specifically before somebody starts, but I think some people should look at that as an example and just maybe recalibrate in their own minds what it means to be a supporter. You can be critical. You can be constructive in your criticism. And I think that's essential when analysing football in general. But, you know, you you should, for the most part, be behind your team. Well, you know, we talk about it all the time. We want loyalty from our players. We want loyalty from managers. We want people to want to be a part of the Arsenal family and to, you know, bleed Arsenal. But then we as fans have to be the same. You know, we have to be loyal. And sometimes loyalty means defending your team against something that maybe you're not 100% sure is right. You know, I remember when, you know, a couple of examples, I remember when Troy Deeney came out and had a go at Arsenal about having like a soft underbelly or whatever it was exactly that he said. And my instant reaction as an Arsenal supporter was to get defensive and to defend my club. Was there a tiny element of truth? In what Troy Dini was saying, absolutely, of course there was. Of course there was. So you take that on board, you absorb it, you process it, you do with it what you need to, but ultimately, you defend your club. It was the same when Ivan Tony had a go. You defend your club. And somebody like Maria would have always defended her club, 110%. And that's what a supporter is. Doesn't mean you don't understand or see the problems. But when you go out into the bigger, wider world and you come across opposition fans who want to have a go and, it, and in a lot of instances, it's unjust. They just want to have a, a, a crack at Arsenal. You don't have that. You don't put up with it. You defend your... I'm not saying you're going to punch their lights out, but you know what I mean? You stand your ground, you stand up for your team. I think that is the definition of a supporter. And, um, you know... Nothing good comes of of Maria's passing. You know, it's really, really sad news. And um, you know, I met her a few times and I'm very privileged to have had some conversations with her. But what we can do is we can look back at her legacy, if you like, as a, you know, I, I've heard her talked about on TV and on the radio over the last couple of days as a super fan. She's literally a super fan. Those people that stand and shout in front of a camera for effect, they're not super fans. Maria Petri was a super fan. And if someone is a super fan, that suggests if they're titled a super fan or given that accolade, if you like, that suggests that they are at the very top of the class in terms of fandom. And so that should be the benchmark. That should be the example. I'm not saying everybody can go up and down the country, across the continent, et cetera, et cetera, every single week. But what I am saying is that that constant backing and that support and that genuine love for the team is something we should look at and try and take Um forward as we as we get behind our team going into a new campaign and obviously it was it was nice to see Arsenal pay tribute um, to Maria on social media I'm sure I hope there'll be something at the first home game of the season as well Um, you know but the team did wear black armbands in respect for the memory of uh, Maria Petri yesterday as well. Okay, let's go over to some of Mikel Arteta's uh, comments, and then we're going to take some of your comments, and then we're going to announce uh, the winners of our competition. But before I do that, I just want to tell you guys, something. I just want to ask a favor uh, from you as uh, the Chronicles of Aguna family. We're talking about the Arsenal family. You guys are the Chronicles of Aguna family. We have got over 800 people live watching me right now on this stream and we've only got 181 likes on the board. What is that about? Sort it out, get liking, get subscribing to the channel as well as we push towards the next benchmark. If you are on YouTube, subscribe, like, leave a comment. If you're listening via audio, subscribe. But also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts specifically, please, please do leave us a review. It really, really does help get the podcast out to as many people as possible. got one small Uh, further favour to ask. As a lot of you know, um, I'm a massive Serie A fan and I have been for for many, many years and I've covered Serie A very, very closely over the last few years. And we often talk about it on this show because often there's a crossover. Often we're talking about players that may be linked with Arsenal from Serie A and you guys want to know what what I think about them. And from time to time we get various guests on. Now, some of you will remember a couple of years ago, I started a, a Serie A podcast that was called Simply Serie A. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I used to do it with Vittorio Campanile, who was on this show uh, just a few weeks ago, talking Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, Tommy Milanese, uh, another one uh, of our esteemed panellists. We've also uh, got Alessandro Erimiti from 90min, who is joining. We've got uh, Jack Gallagher, who's going to contribute as well. Um, And of course... Um, you know, we're going to take it up to a whole new level. It is back. Simply Seria is back. It starts in a couple of weeks' time. Um, And if I could kindly ask you, if you could go onto whichever podcast store it is that you use, this is not available on YouTube. It is solely a podcast. Please do go into your podcast app, search for Simply Seria, and give it a subscribe. 90 Min have been very, very kind in supporting me to bring back simply seria uh, and to help me uh, make it a much more polished um, and informative product as well as ensuring that i can give it the time and dedication uh, that it needs so simply seria is coming back uh, in just a few weeks time so if you could go over give it a subscribe i'd be very very grateful we've got some uh, great new panellists. We've got the former panellists as well. It is going to be bigger and better than ever. So please do uh, get involved. Thank you so, so much for your support. OK, right. Let's have a look at some of Mikel Arteta's comments uh, post um, post the game last night. Now, of course, there was a, there is a lot of excitement around what happened last night. And we've got to remember that it is a preseason friendly and we do have to take it. Um, with a pinch of salt. You know, I'm not naive enough to think that that isn't the case. Um, Mikel Arteta um, was asked whether Arsenal supporters post-match should be excited by this team. And he said, yes, but it was a friendly match. As you could see, there are a lot of positives to take from the game, the way we played, the intensity we showed, the way we were trying to show who we are as a team. But at the same time, it's just a test match. Don't get carried away. There are still a lot of things that we have to get better at and do better, but I think it's good to get some momentum, finish the tour in the right way, give some enjoyment to our fans and everybody that's been contributing to make this tour happen. Now it's time to go back to London to focus and keep making improvements and steps forward. I completely agree. Lots of positives to take away from that. Lots of exciting things on show and on display, but ultimately it is just a pre-season friendly. He was also asked about the importance of getting business done early. He he said it's ideal for any coach that you ask. The earlier you get the players, the better, because you need to get them in with the cohesion of the team. You need to get them understanding each other, relaxed and comfortable socially around the team. And the fact that he, Jesus, has been with us for a few weeks now makes a huge, huge difference. Um, he was asked about whether the result in any way shape or form uh, changes anything about the transfer strategy and he said nothing again don't get carried away there are a lot of positives there are a lot of things we can do much much better than we have done today as well and we have to continue to improve in the team um, I'm not going to touch on every single one because um, you know th- there's, there's too much to go through you can watch it you can read the transcript yourself but um, he was asked about the back four because obviously as we mentioned a little bit earlier on it was a slightly different back four. You know, we're talking essentially about playing three centre-backs in the back four uh, with Zinchenko, who's probably more of a midfielder than a left-back uh, in there as well. Um, but Mikel Arteta said this, at the moment, Tierney and Tomyasu are not fit. We have other options, but I think it was good to try different things, to build some relationships in big matches, and I'm happy with the way we played. He was also asked his thoughts on the new boy, Alex Zinchenko, who made his Arsenal debut in uh, Orlando he said he was desperate to play and I knew that it was a maximum of 45 minutes but you could see straight away he was comfortable he understands everything that I want he understands the process and I thought he had a really good game now onto some of the juicy stuff Uh, he was asked obviously about William Saliba we talked about it earlier on about the fact that William Saliba now is a much more accomplished and um I think, well-rounded centre-back than the one we let go out on loan at the start of last season. But he says on William Saliba, I'm really pleased to see the way he's playing, the way he's adapted to the team. The maturity that he's shown at just 21 years old, carry on doing it. We will keep developing him. He has a huge potential. He's already a top player and we have to make him even better. Um, he was asked if he was ready, and he said he looked ready to me today. I think he looked ready to all of us, uh, Mikhail. Uh, he was also asked about the fitness of Fabio Vieira and uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu, both of which were not involved, not included. They're both on the tour; they're both out in the states with the team, but neither were involved in uh, any of the match day squads. Uh, Mikhail said, "Yeah, Tommy is really close to start doing some training sessions." Hopefully next week and Fabio will probably need a little bit longer. I think he needs another week or so before he starts with the team, but he's been working hard and has been really unlucky to start his Arsenal career in this way. But again, he's fitting in well. Now, a lot of our hearts sunk as well in the second half last night when Gabriel Jesus went down with a knock in the... um, in the first half and then went off in the second half. Um, Mikel was asked about his uh, fitness and he said, yeah, he's got a knock in the first half in his quad. I think it was, and it wasn't very comfortable to continue. And obviously we didn't want to um, take any risks today. Yeah, look, you you can't be taking risks um, at this point. You you really can't. Uh, that's about it from the press conference. I'm not going to dwell on, on the other points. You know, as I say, you can go and read it if you want you can watch it if you want uh arpit yadav says great content reading out articles for us because we can't we're not just reading them though are we we're we're kind of sharing thoughts and and uh, pinging things back and forth between each other while we're reading them but hey each to their own <laughs> okay Look, I know you've all been waiting for this. I know you all want to know who the winners of the Arsenal shirts are. So without further ado, let's get to it. Let's let you know who it is that's picked up those Arsenal shirts. Actually, do you know what? Let's check in where we are on the likes first. We've only got 257 likes on the board until we get to close to 400. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. I'm just going to sit here in silence. (laughs) just kidding hit the like button subscribe to the channel if you're new as well we've got nearly 900 of you now watching across the multiple platforms so please do smash that like button let's try and get it up to as close to 400 as possible between now and the end of the stream like 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 subscribe as well as we continue to push towards the next benchmark okay right let's do it let's tell you who is going to be the receivers the who is going to be the receivers? Who are going to be uh, the receivers of the brand new Arsenal home shirt? We've got three to give away. These names have been picked completely at random. And I have to say a massive thank you because we had over 1,200 people enter uh, this competition. 1,200 people. That is mad. Over 1,200 of you either emailed me or did what was asked on Twitter in order to put your names in the hat. For this giveaway competition. Not everybody could win, unfortunately, because I'll be bankrupt. Probably have to sell my house. But um, we did say we'd give away two initially. Then we added a third because we hit the 20k mark in terms of subscribers here on YouTube way before I was planning to or, or thought was possible. So we added another one. So now we're giving away three. And the winners are in no particular order. Number one, Ravi Guthra who emailed me and uh, listens to the program via Spotify on a daily basis from India. Ravi, uh, thank you so much for your support of the show and of the podcast. um, And thank you for entering the competition. What I need you to do now, Ravi, is uh, email me your address that you want the shirt shipped to. I also need to know what size you want maybe go on the Arsenal website, uh, check the sizes that are available. Obviously, there's small, uh, medium, large, extra large, etc. Let me know um, if you want to find the measurements. If that helps, I don't know if the the system where you are is a little bit different. I know in different countries different sizing applies, but go on the Arsenal website, check out what size it is that you want. Email me your address, and I will get that shipped out to you within the next week. And it'll probably take, I'd imagine about a week or so to get there um if not slightly longer but it will be on its way out to you by the end of this week coming but the sooner you get me the name um i beg your pardon the sooner you get me your address and details the size that you want the sooner i can get that out to you okay so that's our first winner um lots of uh, shout outs to ravi in the chat there you go okay next up Next up, look at everybody putting their shirt sizes in as if I'm going to send you all an Arsenal shirt. I've got kids to feed, Jesus. Uh, The next winner uh, comes from another part of the world, another continent. In fact, and that is Moses Quasi. Moses, uh, thank you so, so much for your entry as well, my friend. Um, really, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm not going to out you in terms of the name that you go by on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, Moses, thank you so much for your entry. And again, same applies. Let me know your size, let me know the shipping address, and I'll get that out to you ASAP. So those are our two non member winners. But we've got a members winner as well. And remember, the members are in a much smaller pot and the members pretty much all know each other as well. So there's going to probably be a little bit of banter here um, in the Discord server when uh, this comes out. But listen, these draws are done completely at random. Next time, I'll probably do it um, on the show. I just, basically, I'll tell you what happened. So I was going to do it on the show today, right? And as some of you would have seen that signed into the stream a little bit earlier on so over the last few days I've been using these where are they anyway some post-it notes and I've been cutting them up into small little pieces because I'm sad Um, and I have been putting all your names on and putting them all into like a a box and the plan was that I would draw them live on the show that was what I wanted to do today unfortunately um, this morning my wife decided that she wanted to go out for a coffee with some of her friends whatever And I was like, okay, cool. Don't worry about the fact that I'm absolutely shattered because I've stayed up till half past three gushing over Arsenal's performance over Chelsea. What I did was, um, I said, "I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll look after the kids, and you you can go. That's fine." I I didn't resist. You know, she's always at home all the time. She gets fed up. She wants to go um, out and uh, and enjoy herself as well. And I said, "You know what? I'm tired, but it'll be fine. No problem." Anyway, my son during that three hour period she was gone was as naughty as he's probably ever been in his entire life and so i thought how can i occupy him for a little bit how can i get this kid to just chill out stop running around the house stop making a racket at the risk of waking up his sister as well what can i do so i let him make the draw i let him make the draw i let him sit (laughs) on the living room floor with the box in front of him and pull out some random names and there he did. So he is the one that has pulled out these names and the name that I'm about to give you for the members uh, shirt is uh, obviously I would love every single one of you. Right. Because all of you have um, have really contributed and supported this show and obviously continue to do so, not just in terms of your support, but financially as well, which is amazing. I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so grateful for the little committee that committee community uh, that we've kind of built and, and put together but there's, there's one person in particular who has kind of been sort of following my journey from, from day one, I would say, or very early on at least, who isn't afraid to give me constructive feedback whenever I need it, um, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, who uh, I went and sat down and had a, a lovely meal with uh, pre an Arsenal game. And um, this has been one of the biggest supporters. This guy has been one of the biggest supporters. And... Um, And look, I'd have loved every one of you to win, like, but this person in particular um, has been an incredible support to me, and and I'm so so thankful. So I'm delighted to say that the winner of the shirt pulled out by my son Antonio completely randomly is the brilliant Graham Sutherland. Uh, Graham, uh, thank you so much, mate, for all that support that you've shown me and given me over the last few years. Really, really appreciate it. Um, And uh, yeah, the shirt is yours. So Graham. Give me an address. Give me the size uh, that you want. And uh, and I will get that out to you by the end of next week. Yours is in the UK, so it shouldn't take as long uh, to get to you. But yeah, uh, Graham, congratulations and congratulations to the other winners, too. Uh, thank you to everybody who uh, entered the um, the competition. Uh, appreciate every single one of you. Uh, you're all amazing. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> Uh, Look at this. Uh, Craig Tanner says, uh, Harry has pulled out his own name, hasn't he? (laughs) I could just buy myself one, mate, if I want one. (laughs) No, honestly, thank you to everyone who entered. Thank you to everybody who participated in the competition. Thank you to everybody for tuning into this show on a very, very regular basis. Uh, Love to every single one of you. have got a super chat. Uh, I'm going to quickly do before we uh, disappear off into the sunshine this afternoon. Let's take this one from Gunner Down Under who says, uh, you believe, uh, do you believe Vieira is the one we've signed for that left-sided eight role? If not, it's clear Tielemans isn't our top target for number eight. Otherwise, he'd be done by now. Has to be another huge name in Tielemans if we don't pull that off. Um, I'm not really sure what position... Um, I- I'm not really sure what position Fabio Vieira has been brought into play, if I'm being completely honest. Um. You know, I, I said to you guys when we first made that signing that I didn't think that we would that we would throw him straight into the deep end in that centre of midfield unless the environment was right in which to do so. And what I mean by that is maybe a home game against what you call lesser opposition, maybe in the Europa League, maybe in the Cups. I think that that's how he's going to find his feet in his team. I, I think that personally, he'll be seen as someone that can play in midfield, but also who can play from the left or from the right as well. I think that's uh, something that he he has in his armoury that appeals to Mikel Arteta. I, I guess we're going to have much more clarity around that when the window slams shut and we know what the conclusion is to Arsenal's hopes and ambitions for this window. Um, I think only then can we really kind of make that assessment. And the problem is that because Fabio Vieira has been unavailable in pre-season, we, we haven't had any inkling or indication sent our way as to how um you know how he might fit in but my gut tells me that he'll be seen as an alternative to martin odegaard at the moment because we don't have another martin odegaard um my gut tells me that he will get some game time when he first comes into the side maybe from the right maybe from the left to avoid putting him into a physical midfield and being thrown into the deep end in the premier league where it's much more intense Um, right at the start of his Arsenal career. So I'd imagine he's going to be used in a number of positions at the start. But what does the long-term future look like for Fabio Vieira? The honest answer, mate, is I don't know at this stage. And and with no evidence to go by, it's very, very hard uh, to make a prediction on that. But we'll find out, won't we, by the end of the window, if he was uh, indeed the person that Arsenal saw as coming in and playing that left eight role. If indeed he is such a uh, well thought of signing within the club that they're not going to go out and do any more. Who knows, mate? Time will tell. Thank you so, so much, though, for your very kind donation to the channel. It is much, much appreciated. Right, we're going to leave it there. Um, going to love you all and leave you. Uh, go and enjoy the sunshine. Go and enjoy uh, the rest of your Sunday if you're having a day off. Don't forget to go over and subscribe to Simply Seria, my Italian football podcast that is getting a bit of a revamp and a reboot. Uh, thanks to 90 Min. You can subscribe to it now on all major podcast stores and we've got a bigger and better panel than ever uh, coming together for the start of this new upcoming campaign. Subscribe to Simply Serious, subscribe to this very YouTube channel. Make sure you leave a like on the video and I will see you all soon. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.